felt probably in the course of our vocation, we witnessed that great unity of our family all over the world. We are moved by news that we hear from faraway places, from people we perhaps have never met. <coughs> but we know that they're part of this great supernatural reality. And so Don Javier is pointing out here the profound theological defined reasons for this business of unity. And so in all sorts of ways we have this virtue <coughs> emphasized to us. And like any virtue, it can always be growing. And so hopefully, in the course of our vocation, with the graces we receive, we learn how to be more united. And we get a deeper appreciation with each year that passes, with a deeper maturity in our vocation of how essential this is. And we come to see in a different light the words that our Lord has spoken to us. If anyone abide not in me, he shall be cast forth as a branch and shall wither. And they shall gather him up and cast him into the fire and he shall burn. Our Lord says some pretty strong things about unity and about the consequences of lack of unity. And the very fact that our Father wanted this meditation every year is sort of like a, well, a little light to us, a little beacon. Be careful. <clears throat> this can be a great instrument of the devil to drive wages between us and other people, between us and those who have the, the duty and the grace of state to command. The devil can drive a little wedge there. Well, he's won a great battle. Great evils come from lack of unity. And so our Father wanted us to have a special sensitivity about those things. Be sensitive with comments, with actions, with thoughts. And in one of his encyclicals, uh, Redemptionis Sacramentum, Pope St. John Paul II point out, points out that there is, a, there is a principle of disunity in each one of us because of the wounds of original sin. The devil has an easy pathway. And so because of that principle of disunity and the fact that we are aware of it, <coughs> then we see the importance of making acts of the virtue of unity. How do we do that? Well, by consulting plans, for example. Maybe by writing down ideas that we may have for the future, things we plan to do, passing them through the chat, exposing them to the light of those who have the grace of state, so that we can be sure that what we're doing is opus dei, and not opus diaboli, or opus me, or something else. It's possible, from all the influences that we may be exposed to in the world, that well, we could end up with a completely different spirit. If all of the books we read were to be a Franciscan spirituality or a Carmelite spirituality, well, we might end up as very holy people, but not with the spirit that God has intended for us. And that's why it's important that we expose ourselves to things that speak to us of our spirit. Obviously, the classical works of spirituality have something to say to us. 
maybe not everything to say to us, but they have something very deep and profound and important to say to us. That the great spiritual treasure of the church there in the um, spiritual infancy of Saint Teresa of Lisieux or some other characteristic of some other saint. But they're not models for us in everything. Somebody once asked our father, uh, Father, the Curie of ours is uh, an intercessor for us in the work. But how can he be an example for us if he only ate boiled potatoes in his life and he never made his bed? <laughs> <coughs> and our father said, well, the saints are models for us in some things, but they're not models in everything. They're not models for our spirit in certain, certain aspects of their life. For that, we have to look to our own spirit. And happily now we have so many books written by so many people of the work that express our spirit in all sorts of ways. But it also helps us to see how important it is that we go back from time to time and read the early letters of our father, of Don Alvaro, Don Javier. Every time we go on a retreat or anywhere, of course, or even in other moments, those family letters that we have, those are spiritual gold for the whole of Opus Dei, for all time. One of the goals of our life could be to read and reread and reread those things because the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the words of our Father and his successors, the present Father also. So that in all sorts of subtle ways, we get the message sort of wound into us again and again. This famous saying in Spanish, con tuerca y contra tuerca, with a, a, a twist of the screw and with another twist of the screw. So we go deeper, mature, more mature in those key ideas that reflect our spirit. So that we come to embody that spirit in the way that our Lord and our Father wanted. And that's why we find on Javier World speaking in such a profound way about this, this reality here. It's so easy to be disunited. Disunited from the others, disunited from the local council, disunited from the advisory. And then where do we find ourselves? And we're all capable of all these things. And so the words of our father and the writings of <coughs> Don Javier on this topic and the others, well, are sort of a, a wake-up call for us, reminds us again and again. The charity that unites us to God and that unites us to the others is the same. That charity, a participation in the in uncreated love, which is which the Holy Spirit pours out on us with His grace into our hearts. It's converted into the, the deepest foundation of the unity of Opus Dei, the deepest foundation of our unity. <coughs> and so we try to be united to to the Father, to people around us. And we also bring everybody else into that unity. All the supernumeraries, all the cooperators. So that they truly feel the unity of the work, feel the warmth of our family. And our Father used to say, the further the distance, the greater the unity. When people were going to Japan and faraway places, the emphasize that point to them. The further away from Rome, the greater the unity. Because just distance alone can 
thought it would detach us a little bit. Another reason why our Father encourages us to have a great sensitivity about this. And so we're taught to be attentive to the little words or ideas that may come from Rome, from the Father. So that we're grazing where he is grazing. What is the Father thinking about? What's he praying about? Our Father said, if you haven't passed through my mind and through my heart, you have mistaken the way. One of us, one of the ways to know the mind and heart of the Father is paying a lot of attention to the things that come from him. Letters or indications, rather come through the advisory. And the same thing with our Father and our Lavro. By reading the things they have left as a legacy. And reading them again and again. And each time we go back we find new lights, new horizons. New great divine treasures there. And our Lord wants us to go deeper in all of those things in the course of our life. And on that unity depends our fruitfulness. He that abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. There might come a moment when physically we're not able to do very much. Maybe all our energy and strength and health may have left us. But our unity to the Father makes us effective. I may have mentioned before that there's a priest who was ordained with me, Don Luis de Moya. You may have heard of him. I read his books. He was going out to say Mass one morning, I think, many years ago. And I think he maybe fell asleep at the wheel or something. Or the car went up a tree, went into a coma. And he's been paralyzed from the neck ever since. He's the longest surviving paraplegic, I think, in the world. Well, he broke a femur about two weeks ago, and he had an operation on it, and he, his heart stopped during the operation. And he's been revived again. But all the things that have happened to him are just amazing. And well, for the last 30 or 40 years, he's been confined to a wheelchair, has to have everything done for him. And when I was passing through Pamplona one time, I went to confession to him. I'll always remember the advice he told me. He says, you know, our effectiveness comes from our unity to the Father. And I was coming from Asia. I'd been all over the world doing all sorts of things, running around the place. And here was this priest stuck in a wheelchair, can hardly do anything physically. <clears throat> and you're talking about effectiveness. Very powerful words. Our effectiveness are tied up to our unity to the Father. Very profound. It's like a personification of those words. And Alvaro, at one stage, many decades ago, told him that the favor he was asking from our father for the canonization of our father was the, the cure of this priest to be put right. That didn't happen. And so God must have other great plans for that priestly life. And so our effectiveness, wherever we are. And so we have to try and work at that new unity. What is being said to me in the chat? What's being communicated in the circle? What are the advices I'm receiving and the indications for this apostolic activity, for, for that intention, for that apostolic push or expansion? So that we try and have the mind 
of the Father and of our Father. What did they want for Oprah's day at this particular moment? Vocations, Lord, vocations. They're for you, they're for your glory. Sanctity, <coughs> holiness, peace, joy, serenity. <coughs> Awareness of the treasure of our vocation. A great supernatural optimism in everything we do. For this reason, it seems very clear that the unity within the work reflects like an unequivocal manifestation of our unity with God. And for this, with a very clear conscience, I've written to you on many occasions, and I repeat it to you now in this moment. If you were not united among yourselves, if you were not united with me, if we were all not united to our Father in heaven, we would not be united with God. And so the pathway of our unity passes through certain channels. This is the divine will for us. And so we could ask ourselves in our prayer this morning, well, could I be more united to the local councillor, to the director, or to the advisory? Sometimes our unity is expressed through prayer, through mortification, sometimes through obedience, but not just through obedience, and docility. I want to urge you now, he says, that this wouldn't stay a sort of a general principle, a sort of a theory. <clears throat> it was, must rule our everyday doings, our thoughts, our aspirations. And this day after day, in whatever place we find ourselves. There was a supernumerary once in the furthest part of Indonesia, possibly the most isolated supernumerary in the world. We had to take three planes to reach this person. Went there every couple of months. But no matter where a person of the work may be, most isolated supernumerary for professional reasons, there's where they have to live this unity to the Father, to the whole of this supernatural family. And maybe we're the person that is there to help them do, do this, help them to live that unity. <coughs> and if somebody happens to be far away, well, we help them to live that unity through, usually through communication. And then we have all sorts of means of communication. And sometimes little details can be very expressive of great unity. The unity of the faithful of the prelature is manifested in bonds of this special filiation with the person who governs the work and with a careful fraternity. St. Augustine says the cement of these living stones is charity. And St. Cyprian teaches that this theological virtue is the bond of fraternity, the foundation of peace, that which gives strength and permanence to our unity. It's greater than faith and hope. It remains eternally with you in the kingdom of heaven. Together we achieve an awful lot of things. Unity with other people that we work with in apostolic enterprises. And so the government of the work is collegial. There's a great wisdom in that, what God wanted. Wants us to work together with other people. Wants us to be a team player. Everything that fosters that is something good. 
improving our communication skills, the way we say things, what we say, how we put them in writing, not trusting our own judgment. Sometimes we might think that, well, I have all the answers, or I'm right, or I have the most experience. But God wants our unity more than our great talents and abilities and experience. Together we do more. <clears throat> because six eyes are better than two. It's interesting how our father gave an indication to the central advisory and general council that whenever they were sending a note to any region, well, two people should read the final version of the note. Very small little thing. But always when we've typed something, when you find a spelling mistake here or a grammatical error there, and so the six eyes are always better than two. Fosters perfection, work well done. What's your opinion on this? Do you think this is okay? Check it, can you? Double check. <coughs> Perfection's <coughs> the That's our thing. Even if we've done the greatest job in the world, we need the eyes of other people. Once there was a new oratory that was set up in Madrid, and they brought Don Alvaro to see it, and it had been up and functioning, I think, for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And Don Alvaro walked into the, into the oratory, and written on the front of the altar there was some inscription. I don't know, was it ego sum pastor bonus or something? I am the good shepherd. And then I took one look and he said, pastor is spelt wrong. People had been running in and out of that place for quite a few weeks and months, but nobody had noticed the misspelling that it was on the front of the altar. But Alvaro picked it up immediately. And sometimes seven eyes are better than two. And so we see little things that other people maybe don't see. Or other people see little things that we don't see. We need that benefit of other people's opinion, judgment, ideas. For the weakness of each one, there is the strength of the others. Much more than our great talents, what our Lord wants us, our unity. That might mean that sometimes things go forward slower, but they go forward better, more solid way. Progress is is definite. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. And this is my Father glorified. There was a story of two people who were disabled who were on a street in China someplace. One was blind and the other was lame and there was a big festival taking place organized by the mayor of the town and Everyone was invited, but these two were sort of lamenting that they couldn't get to the festival or to the feast because one was blind, didn't know how to get there, and the other was lame, didn't have, couldn't walk. But then one of them had an idea and said, look, I'll give you a piggyback. The blind guy said, and my feet will carry you and your eyes can guide me. And so that's how they got to the feast. They achieved together what they could not have achieved on their own. Well, that's a little bit what we're involved in in corporate apostolic works, all sorts of things that we're doing. We achieve together, but none of us could achieve on our own. And that can give us an enormous joy in our vocation. We're achieving wonderful things. We're changing society. We're evangelizing culture. 
a cooperator in the Philippines once said that to me, you know, I don't understand everything about Opus Day, but I do know that I'm participating in something wonderful. Well, that was a very beautiful thing to hear. That sense of participation in something wonderful. Something that on my own I couldn't come within a mile of even reaching in any sort of way. Now I'm part of something wonderful. When we all participate through the communion of saints in all the spiritual treasures of the work, in all the great apostolic works that are taking place in so many countries around the world, changing culture, changing life, supporting families, bringing society forward. None of us is insignificant. Nothing we do is insignificant because we contribute with our breathing to the health of the whole. Our Father likes that point, I think it's in the way also, about the little nut or bolt in the whole machine. Because the little nut or bolt is there, the whole thing works. I used to tell the gardeners in the school in Manila that, you know, when you go out and you put the lawnmower all over the, uh, the grounds, well, the place looks so well. No? Uh, but if we're not our bolt in that lawnmower, is out of place, the, the lawnmower doesn't work. You know, within two or three weeks, the grass can be two feet high. The place can look awful. And because that little nut or bolt is there, it does a great job. And each one of us are little nuts and bolts. You have to do all sorts of little things. A priest engineer told me in the Philippines once how he was passing through the catering and they had got a, well, the story I was told was that they got a new machine for making hosts. I don't know if you have a machine for making hosts, if that such a thing exists, but I, I think that's what the thing was and it was a new machine and they didn't the people there weren't quite sure how to to work it they couldn't get it to work they tried everything you know? so this priest engineer was passing through and they knew he was good at this and that and the other so they so asked him would you ever mind having a little look at this machine so he got the book of instructions what they had gone through have you done this yes have you done that yes have you done this so they went through all the things they had to do uh, yes we've done all those things and he said well and have you pressed the button mm -hmm. oh no we didn't press the button so they pressed the button and it worked. <laughs> so sometimes every little thing is necessary. You know? We can't miss any of the steps to make the thing work. You know? and, uh, but then things happen. You know? And so we're, we're like that little button or that little nut or bolt. And because we're there, enormous things happen. Great social consequences. The apostolic trips that we make, the letters that we write, the contacts that we keep up through WhatsApp or email or whatever, saying hi to that person that might be in Lodwar or Marsabit or someplace, maybe Somalia, you know? But someday we reach all those places. And our contact has put down the, the building blocks there. Our charity, my children, <coughs> has to be permeated with true affection, real affection. Placing always before us the, as our Father advised, the most sweet and merciful heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The sincerity of that authentic affection is expressed in a generous service to the others. This is what our Lord has pointed out to us 
And after washing the feet of the apostles, he said, As I have given you an example, so that you might do it one to each other. Thanks be to God, this charity characterizes the habitual ambience and environment of our centres and of the other homes of my daughters and sons, in which there always has to breathe the, the warmth of primitive Christianity. For this reason, we understand well, and the way of speaking of the early Christians seems very familiar to us, that they collaborated one with the other. One of the old fathers of the church used to express it in this way. Struggle united, run together, suffer the sorrows and pains of the other people. Remain united in spirit, even during your sleep. And that way, when you wake up, you will be helpers of the others, administrators of what they do. In all the people who move at our side, we have to discover Christ. Because we walk in this earth very clear that of the truth of those words of our Lord. Whenever you did it to one of these, the least of my brethren, you did it to me. And so we also try to act consequentially. Our Father has also given us that great goal of our life to be an instrument of unity. It's a good question to ask ourselves. Am I an instrument of unity? One thing is to live unity. Another thing is to be an instrument of unity, to foster that unity with cooperators, with St. Gabriel people, with St. Raphael people, all the time uniting people to the central trust of the work with the general monthly intention or the regional monthly intention all these little instruments we have to foster unity so we're grazing in the right place our mind is there it's not off in a different orbit dreaming different dreams but we're focused on where we should be the conviction that we're all children of God brothers and sisters in Christ mystically identified with him is the basis of our supernatural fraternity that moves us to behave as children of God with the children of God and so we ask Our Lady she was so united to the will of God united to Saint Joseph united also to, well, to all the people around her having as an ordinary person, Nazareth, for 30 years. Mary, may you help us to take care of this blessed unity in our supernatural family, the great gift that you have given to the whole of the work. Help us to preserve it, to look after it, to treasure it, and to be living examples of that unity, just like you were living examples of the implementation of the will of God in everything you did. <coughs> thank you my God for the good resolutions affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation I ask your help to put them into practice my immaculate mother Saint Joseph my father and Lord my guardian angel intercede for me